Um, hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Wazi. Today my guest is Chepke Moe Mangira and um, yeah, as you keep listening you'll hear all the stuff that she does. But first I'd like to introduce herself, Kama Kawaida. Um, you've heard my name. I am I'm the founder of On Your Culture, which is a platform that is decolonizing fashion. And we do that through the mediums of design. And most recently uh, we've done, I've done a book and another method that we decolonize fashion is also photography with my collaborator called Papetua Doyo, who is a photographer Ooh. based in Nairobi. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So let's get into it. Yes. Um, I guess this is going to be a very cheesy question, but like, when did you start loving fashion? <laughs> um, when I was a child, well, um, through my mom. Now, when my mom used to take maternity leave, she would do, like, she'd like sue, like the vitamba, what do you call it? Vitamba for the seats. Yeah. Yeah. So I she used to exactly really, she yeah. <laughs> she used to do, she even used to be in this embroidery club with other ladies. Really? So they, yeah, they used to do like, so I used to always go with her because I'm the eldest child. So I'd always follow her around. And when she's cutting cloth, she would ask me to help her, like hold one end and then she cuts, th- cuts through the cloth. And she's always been very specific about the types of clothes that she buys. So I, I picked that up from her and I started taking an interest in fashion and clothes. And then as soon as I could start reading, I started reading like Shout magazines and cool magazines oh, way back God, when. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that's where my wow. fashion love wow. developed. <laughs> You've, that's like a major, there are guys who have yeah. no idea oh, what yeah, Shout is. Um, yeah, it used to come, it was like, I think it was from the UK, Yes, it the, the, UK. the magazine. And it mm-hmm. be, every Shout had like a, a, a gift. Yes, like, um, exactly. So it would be something like lip gloss or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and there's always a poster <laughs> mm-hmm. for like a celebrity. Yeah. But you wouldn't, I don't know, I think you couldn't know until you bought the magazine. It was a good marketing ploy, yeah. I think, for them. Because you'd be like, oh, it's lip gloss. I'll mm-hmm. just buy. Damn, yeah, and it used to be that. 75 shillings back then. Jesus, that was a throwback. <laughs> yeah, so those are the things that I used to save up for. Like, I used to read all these fashion magazines. So that's where my interest continued to grow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's from around that. And then... When I was in like around class four, five, I think we started learning like about where Kenyans came from. You know, they, they tell you like nylots, kushites, bantus. And and I think around that time, I, I got this book about Egypt, like ancient Egypt. And I remember just reading and looking at it and thinking like, this is so fascinating. This is ext- like, it was very extremely fascinating for me. And at that point, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Oh, wow. Yeah, like as a kid, in I class to, four. Yeah, class four, <laughs> class five, class six. I used to just tell people learn to be an archaeologist. Because wow. I was really interested in like ancient Egypt. Mm, okay. and, yeah, and then you know now, see, um, nilots came along from, I mean, came from the Nile. Yeah. And now I'm from a nilotic community. So I used to okay. think about it and I'm like, okay, if we came from the Nile and Egypt was this cool, what about like my own people? Mm-hmm. But that interest sort of grew when I was in university now. Can I ask, where do you go to university? University of Nairobi. Okay. Comrade Power. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys called? I think it's comrades. Comrades, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, sounds a bit too. Oh, really? So, when you're saying like this interest came more in your uni, yeah. you know what you were studying, or because you're interacting yeah, with really. people from like different places, or it was just timing? Oh, oh yeah. And also, I grew up in different parts of Kenya. Oh, wow. Yeah, because okay. like I was born in Meru. Really? I'm yeah, from Meru. each of my siblings. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, even my godparents are from Meru. So my parents work took them around the country. So I've, I've gotten used to like growing around different communities, different types of people. At some point, we also lived in Garissa, oh, wow. but as a child. So my friends, I mean, my parents have these friends who are from every single part of Kenya. And you know, when they'd come to the house, or maybe if we'd go for their ceremonies, they're always dressed in like, especially the people from Northern Kenya. Yeah. We used to have like this traditional dress that they'd wear. Mm-hmm. Um, another community we also had my parents also had indian friends and i went to school with indians um, at that point we lived in kericho so even like this to have like all these ceremonies and then when i was in kericho i wanted to be an indian because i love the ceremonies i wanted to wear a sari i wanted to have a bindi like i just really loved how they were so proud of their culture um so like my childhood really influenced all this interest like just growing up uh, <coughs> growing up around all these different cultures and then again, my names, like Chapkembo is a Nandi name, and then Mangira, we are not so sure where it came from, because apparently the originator of this name, according to legend in my family, um, is someone who had been 
I don't say kidnapped because it used to be like sort of a kidnap but then the child would be raised and the, the reason they used to take like boys during cattle raids was because uh, there was a problem of, I mean like Nandi women used to be barren at that time like there was a problem with child child mortality and also birth rates mm-hmm. yeah so he was taken here and he called himself Mangira so it has been insisted upon like in my dad's side of the family to keep that name and okay. I know as a kid trying to explain that name because now you see when I grew up in like Kericho and Kitale, those are like predominantly Kalenjin towns. Mm-hmm. Every person's name reflects what tribe they talk with they are from. Mm-hmm. So for me I was always explaining as a child. I was always like, okay, this name comes from here and here and here. So that's where also another now my interest developed in like identity and belonging and culture. Like it's just been like a mix of family heritage, uh, growing up in different towns, being exposed to all these different cultures. Yeah. That's, that's interesting you've mentioned like literally that list identity belonging because <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think like i i spoke with a couple of people maybe like mid this year mm-hmm. something like that about yeah. those those questions yes like what does um what's your does your um tribe play an identity mm-hmm. um the languages you speak mm-hmm. um what role does it play in your identity or in feeling like you belong somewhere and everyone i spoke to was um had lived in a in a country outside of Kenya for a certain period of time and a lot of them would I mean all the answers are very different actually mm. but what I found interesting is the idea of you see tribe only belongs in Africa yeah. once you and by only I mean like um, Europeans don't have tribe um, mm-hmm. so then there it didn't play a huge role mm. but then you come back home and it's like know that much about my people yeah so i don't feel like i'm being asked by my family mm. but also there's just what you describe like when mm. people ask you what's what's that name yeah because it's unfamiliar to mm. the environment that you're yeah. in um and i think like even just identity and belonging mm. today <laughs> yeah it's something so trivial mm-hmm. um in how we do that because yeah. i feel like um i guess with the younger generation mm-hmm. let's say people below 40. Mhm. And I yeah, below 40. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is still. There's just also this in between of um we're stuck in this car phase for um moving outside of our progressing mm-hmm. outside of culture but also trying to retain some mm-hmm. elements of culture. But a lot of us were raised outside of mm-hmm. um what is in Nairobi. <laughs> so then yeah. to do that you need to be like very active yeah. and very interested yeah, and true. put in a lot of effort to mm-hmm. going back to yeah. whatever it is mm-hmm. you tend to learn about what you're learning mm-hmm. um yeah but like i was saying to you before mm-hmm. um we started recording uh like i think also fashion um saying through your page like i've learned so much about different people yes. um just from a fashion side of view mm-hmm. on top of the other things maybe that I've read about yes. or I know about mm-hmm. um how did you end up deciding like okay obviously you're interested in fashion yes but what was it that um how did you end up telling stories the way you do I started out as a fashion blogger back in 2013 mm-hmm. yes yeah, so I had my blog it was called Miss Bavavu and I'd write about like I first used to just write about fashion my personal style and then I wanted to go deep I wanted to feature like what about like Kenyan fashion so I'd attend like different fashion shows different fashion forums different um fashion discussions and there was always that discussion of like what is a Kenyan dress or sometimes what used to be on the runways you can just see it's a designer who scooped something that they saw in the west mm. so that alongside those ongoing conversations about like what is a Kenyan fashion identity now that was happening back in 2013 2014 and that inspired me to start looking deeper into, into like what is the actual Kenyan fashion so around like June 2014 I was preparing to go for there was an event for fashion called Fafa it was festival for the fashion arts by Anne Macrath of Kikoromeo so at that time it was the biggest fashion event of the year and I wanted my outfit at that time to represent like Kenyan identity kabisa so at first I'd look like at fabrics but I was like it's still not Kenyan enough mm-hmm. and then now one time when I was researching I came across this um a street style section in a South African fashion magazine like online and there was this guy dressed in like a white vest and white jeans and then he'd worn a Maasai necklace 
and he was featured amongst the best dress. And I was like, this is so, I mean, this is something that is right here back at home mm -hmm. that costs like about, you know, it's cheap, it's easily available and it's Kenyan identity. Mm -hmm. So I decided to wear at Masai necklace to that event. And then also the conversations now during the event were very interesting around like now that outfit that I'd worn. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, yeah, why a Masai necklace? Are you Masai? And I'm like, no, not really. Even sometimes when I'd say Chepke they're like, okay, that explains a necklace. But I was like, okay, but can't I choose it as a fashion choice? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it is part of Kenyan fashion. It is Masai fashion. Um, so that's when the idea sort of started taking root. I started now creating like now my social media page, my personal page turned into just like me wearing like a lot of Maasai accessories. And then as I continued wearing Maasai accessories, I, was, I started to think about like no other tribes, because even just like my own tribe, the Nandi, what did they wear back then? Because mm -hmm. it just can't be Maasai. Yeah. Like out of all these 42 tribes, it just, it just cannot be. Mm -hmm. So even like when I went further back, like the Kamba had like such beautiful beadwork, the Kikuyu, like every single tribe you can think of, Kisi, Kuria, um, El Molo, everybody had like this beautiful beadwork, even guys of Taita, the Pokomo, the whole Mijikenda clans, they had like this really intricate beadwork, which was for different stages and different types of people. Mm -hmm. So you see like there's a lot of designs already. And uh, I, I couldn't find pe people who still make those pieces. I could only find like from a few communities. Uh, and then for the few people who were making it, they were not very serious about it. So it was hard to even get those pieces. Mm. Or sometimes like if I travel to those places to ask them questions, to those who like really hard, they don't want to talk about like traditional stuff. You yeah. know, they tell me like, you know, those are things for the past. Why are you interested in these things? You know, you should be focusing like in the future kind of thing. And then uh, I'd go to the museum. The museum do, I mean, of course the museum has, has pieces and has collections. And then now researching online, you start finding that they're actually outside. You see, like mm. this is in the British Museum. It's not available here. Yeah. So I started looking at that work and what helped me the most was photography. And then I started sharing those pieces. I started sharing now those photos and showing people like, you know, this is, I mean, like we have such a wealth of information in traditional jewelry and designs. And yeah, that's how it sort of took root. When you, you, know, you mentioned like you were researching, mm -hmm. how like were you re where were you researching? Because I find like a huge challenge, mm -hmm. um, even from like a few people I've spoken about, is yeah. just access to this knowledge. Um, I know you've mentioned going going to these places and talking mm -hmm. to people there, yeah. um, which I think is sort of like usually the resort eventually. Yeah. But how how do you even find out like about these pieces? Like, where were you researching? Oh, no, just first I'd ask, like, my friends. I'd ask my friends, okay. parents. Mm. I'd ask my own family members, especially, like, our parents. So I'd mm. ask them a lot of those questions. And many of them would just keep, I mean, they were forthcoming with information. But you see, like, storytelling versus the visual aspect is not clear enough. Yeah. So what I ended up doing, I just used to go to the National Museums of Kenya. You know, they're located, like, in each and every county. Yes. Yeah, so I'd visit as many as I could like just on my own money at first and just look at the pieces that are there uh, to see what used to be made and then national museums also have like a library so that and the libraries usually have books about Kenya in fact a lot of things I just want like from the national library mm. yeah there are books on like you know ancient Kenya Okay, like I different didn't know they had sorts of books. books. Yeah, there are books. I mean, I didn't know they had a library. I mean, yeah, some books are not by Kenyans, they're like by colonialists, and some things are so offensive to read. <laughs> In I fact, many things are very offensive to read. So for me, it's just like skip to like, okay, this is accessories, and then try to compare with other books as well. Mm. And now I take photos from that and start developing pieces. Oh, wow. Because at some point on the page, everyone was like, okay, I want to wear accessories that represent where I come from. Mm. So that's why we started developing accessories. Wow. Okay, that's very interesting. Now I know there's a, a library at the Yeah, National most Museum. museums, yeah, they have. Um, I remember going to a museum for the first time this year since like class three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, let me go. Because I really do enjoy museums yes. and galleries and stuff. Yeah. Um, and in fact, what took me there was an exhibition, not even the actual mm -hmm. museum. Mm -hmm. But in the process, I was like, you know what, let's, I've mm -hmm. been here in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I actually learned so much. I think also at that time, because I was very young, um, yeah. it was a school trip. Yeah, school trip. It's like, oh, let's attention. just do this thing and be done with it. Yeah. Um, I can with so many things. Yeah, I just really never paid attention mm. to it. Like you're saying, um, I was also very curious to to learn about my own people. And mm -hmm. I think that's what sparked my interest in just mm -hmm. 
research in general mm-hmm. just as you're asking you oh how are you researching yeah um because a lot of information like you said is true yeah. it's written by colonialists or people who yeah, lived here by colonialists. It's quite amongst especially photography there are books by kenyans of course mm-hmm. but when it comes to photography yeah it's mostly like colonial mm. yeah because it's reached a point that you stop seeing like traditional accessories on people like yeah someone has written like about a certain community but you see there are no photos of them dressed in those pieces okay yeah so it would just be like descriptions or even hairstyles it's kind one thing that is properly lost is like hairstyles mm. yeah because like the giriyama is to have like a specific haircut even the pokot there's a way they still um is it like sheep skin and mixed with like old hair and even the turkana in fact they used to make like you take your ancestors hair and you still add them to your hair piece oh, there's a thing like that yeah that's interesting yeah okay Now yeah so you see yeah they are like they're all this but you're right yeah it's, it was it is not easily accessible because i had to pay a fee mm-hmm. to access the national museum library oh. yeah Maybe it was 200 bob or 1500 per year Now, something like that. No, this is for the for the museum, for the library. Is yeah, that... for the library you have to pay a fee. Oh. That yeah. being said though, I actually found out now on that day that I went. They do mm-hmm. have a membership for the year. Yes. Which was really I think it was like 1700 for the whole year. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, why don't you guys like yeah, advertise yeah, this a bit more?" Yeah, true. Maybe because they I don't know. I don't know. Let me not make it's, assumptions. It's just okay, yeah. Okay. For me what it looked like it's mostly anthropologists who know so even for me i actually sought out anthropologists in fact those are the people who helped me okay. like anthropologists and museum curators i happen to be a part of a group for like natural hair um group on facebook so one of the founders is actually a museum curator so she sort of like put pushed me in the right direction okay yeah because yeah, i only found out like i think i was going to pay and they were not doing cash mm. and the lady and i'd seen actually no i saw someone post on instagram mm-hmm. about membership and i remember looking at the chat and i'm like oh this is so affordable mm-hmm. for a whole year and mm-hmm. then i just forgot about it so that day when i didn't have cash I was like, oh, actually, can I do membership? Yeah. And like the process was very mm. was quite immediate. Like yeah. and without you can access any museum mm-hmm. um in Kenya. So like yeah. you're saying there's some of them in different Every, parts. Yeah, different parts of the country. I was like, oh, I probably even told the guy, and it was not him, but I was like, maybe talk to your people so you can Yeah. They should make it accessible because now i have more interest to come mm. yeah more often yeah and they do send you like emails on mm-hmm. programs and yes a lot of the seminar yeah. things you get from being a member yeah in fact this that's is how... not sponsored by the national oh yeah <laughs> but <laughs> that is how actually i continue to learn ah yeah. okay because even when i'd ask people they'd tell me oh you should check the museum in this place Mm. Uh, yeah like yeah so everyone would tell me like a town like oh check the museum in this town check the museum in this town mm. yeah so i started with kenya archives because mm. it's 50 shillings You know that's also another thing. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, I knew that building. I've never been inside of it. Mm-hmm. I even asked someone, "Where's the entrance?" Mm-hmm. because I see the building and I eventually I found where the entrance is, mm-hmm. which is where everyone usually is at. Yeah. Um but now the challenge for them was like some things they couldn't access. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, because they needed like more documentation and I was like, it's an archive. It's a national archive. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be a scholar <laughs> mm. to to anyway those are systems beyond I guess um yeah our continuity yeah, to some extent. In fact like in the beginning days I would just ask the staff at Kenya Archives. Mm, okay. You know I tell them because when you go to Kenya Archives you'll find like the predominant tribes like you know Swahili, Maasai, Turkana, Samburu, what's that tribe I'm forgetting? Pokot. Like you know the tribes which still have the accessories. Yes. I mean they've been having the accessories for at least the past 40 years. Mhm. But then now when you want to look at like maybe Taita you have to go a bit deeper. Mm. You know if you want to look at like Mijikenda like the sub tribes of Mijikenda you have to go a bit deeper. Mm. Yeah so I'd go and ask them. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes Why? I'd ask them and then they tell me like yeah that's when we don't have information on that maybe check this other place. Oh so at least they were helpful in recommending yeah. like somewhere else. Okay yeah. that's good. Yeah. Because I found it's important it's good that you mentioned even photography um because I was we are currently working on a project about just archiving of music history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a huge part of that is documented through photography because mm-hmm. the people who are there at concerts mm-hmm. were photographers so we mm-hmm. not have videos necessarily the musicians mostly will just share the story mm-hmm. of how it looked mm-hmm. but you find like to put that story to mind a lot of it mm-hmm. is done through photography yeah. so even through fashion the reason we know how people mm-hmm. are dressed at a certain time 
was because of photographers. Photography, yeah. And photography. even today. Well, and some, some are painters, some are drawers. Yeah, and what I saw now in the museum, there's this lady, obviously she's white. Joy Adamson. Um, yeah. Who do you, her images are actually very mm. clear. Mm-hmm. Um, which was surprising because I was like, wow, you're a really good painter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, considering their times. I mean, yeah. maybe she, I don't know where she learned. But um, yeah, I found that very interesting because I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen a painting of people. Like yeah. in my head, I'd imagine that as a photo as yeah. opposed to a painting. Mm-hmm. But it was well done for me to be like, oh man, I really see how, you know, yeah. this is a costume. Yeah. Um, and I remember when you used to go for like music festivals, I was a music student. So mm-hmm. we'd learn about what different colors mean mm-hmm. for different communities. Mm-hmm. And so now, where we're at now is, you know, even when you're mentioning, like, the information we're getting, because there are communities that have obviously maintained accessories, mm-hmm. um, and the overlap of that is sometimes we, a lot of us don't take time to understand yeah. the meaning of certain things. So, like, you know, even the beadwork, um, you mentioned this earlier, like, some of the things are for different phases in life. So when you're a girl when you're married, when you, you know, but then now it's just aesthetic, like, people just, we are a bit more drawn, not everyone, obviously, but we lose the knowledge of why and the importance of these things, and then it becomes, because the people also selling some of this stuff are not the people from these communities, it's not just become mass production for like, okay, I know how to do beadwork, mm-hmm. let me do it, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with that, I think the problem is selling it as of that community, mm-hmm. Because it doesn't really, there's a, now there's a gap because then mm. there's just a whole mess here that we don't know about and we're yeah. not interested in. Um, and it becomes tricky because I remember when like, I can't remember which designer it was, one of these big ones did that runway with the Kangas. Um, like the Masai Shukas. Oh, yeah. And I was with just the necklaces. like, okay. And the overlaps of that is things like, in Af- we don't own culture, nobody, there's no one person who like me, me and the one who owns this. You have to catch you there. That one, there's a Maasai group is, which is actually following up on that. Yeah? Yeah, they've taken, like, they've taken, made it like an actual case. Okay, that's good. Yeah. They better get reparations because they do. Yeah, there is actually a group which is, I don't know how far they've gotten, but there's mm-hmm. a group of like, this is, yeah, actually following up, like it's an international case. Okay, Yeah. that's good. And so, because I remember the first time that happened, I was just like, I mean, us guys will bash sugars, but we know, mm. like, you know, it's it's different only because we understand where it comes from. We're not mm. really, you know, in depth, like, oh, they're black, mm. they're red, they're what. But you know, it's a Masai sugar. Um, but we might make, we might also still make designs with them, but yeah. we're not necessarily doing it to exploit the community. Because I think the mm. problem there was also. A white gaze is oh my god this looks nice it's aesthetic yeah. let's make clothes out of it yeah. but then there is you see like within each community there's also a council of elders that you they exist you just may not yeah. know who they are mm-hmm. and so I remember a huge part of this problem was you should have just consulted with the community mm-hmm. and then we would have been like okay this is the best way to go about mm-hmm. it or maybe don't use this pattern use this mm-hmm. pattern just because it looks nice doesn't mean it has no meaning yeah. and I find that a lot of these problems with specifically white people is because like uh, they don't have culture the way we do their culture is not necessarily rooted in people in community the way it is for us and also we do have very different cultures so Maasai culture is very different from Meru culture, Kikuyu, from guys in Zim and you know South Africans might have similar patterns with them but then it's yeah. not the same it's regardless. Not the same. It's not the same. Um, so there's a huge gap and I think that's why pages like even on your culture are important because like I was saying before, the beadwork for Samburis is different from Tushkanas, it's yeah. different from Maasai's, but then it may look the same if you're not paying attention. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's all beadwork. Yeah, it's all beadwork, yeah. <laughs> and then also, ah, there like, the are modern designs and the traditional designs, like, there's mm-hmm. a very big um, differentiation. Yeah, but then, again, because also, of, uh, because of the market, even, like, during, like, post-colonialism, you know, there also, like, white people who would hire, like, artisans from different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like, the Kamba were really known for beadwork and also woodwork and also the kisses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'd have them make, like, certain statues and start exporting them. Mm-hmm. And then you find, like, those things continue existing 
in our current um, market. So you know someone will think like, oh, this is a traditional, but actually where it came from is because like a certain white person wanted to export them to their museum mm. or wanted to sell them to their um, clientele. Yeah. Yeah, so you see. Oh, I mean, you the, get to see the invisible inventories? Yes, I did. Oh, mm. wow, okay. So if you didn't get to see it, I think it's, I think it's still online because they did so, do yeah. an online mm -hmm. um, tour. tour of it. And I was like, what? You know, they show you how much, I mean, you saw it, but mm. for guys who've not been, they show you how much some of these things cost here. Mm -hmm. Some things are not even necessarily for sale, but if you were to sell them, how much you'd sell them for, and mm. then how much when they're exported. Mm. Like, it's times 10 even for some of these items. Um, but this money, it, it doesn't translate back to the people it's meant to go in between. Mm. And I think just in general in life, it just so happens that the middleman can really change a lot yeah of any in any industry mm. whatever whatever industry it is but it was so surprising to me it wasn't surprising actually it was just more like in this day and age <laughs> for me that we still have not found a way to solve this problem and maybe because the people to solve it are also the people benefiting from it. Because yeah. when I think about even museums still holding some of these artifacts mm. and being like, oh, they're processes. I'm like, yeah, you're just making them tedious. Yeah. You made the process. Mm -hmm. You own stuff that you know are stolen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll admit to be like, yeah, but you know, it was a different time. So it's like, whether you stole me today, you know, yeah. tomorrow, it just, you yeah. know, it's and as the irony is they made us disown these things. And then they make money yeah. off of it, being like, hey, come and look at this mm. interesting artifacts that yeah. are from XYZ. And it's like, oh, so we now pay you the money. Which, which is you not can... even anyone can afford. Not even anyone can get to those countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, we're already profiled. You have and to I... fill in, like, a hundred papers to try and have a chance to just be interviewed to go to those countries. Yeah. And also to make... The gag is, like... You could come and view this stuff here but then at the very least document it properly because you're not even doing that at the very least yeah. um yeah because i remember um there's this guy who has a museum in Meru, like his own he just made his own place a museum and um he refused to give his stuff to the national museum because he said if i give this to you you will not explain it the way it should be explained and i thought oh my god so he has like a mini museum in his place and guys can come in and i think I'm forgetting his name. I'll put it in the description because I think it's... In fact, I put the video link because mm. the video... I saw an interview of him a while, a couple of years back. Um, but I think now he made like a partnership with the museum where it's like, you guys can direct people here. Okay. Like, I'm happy for people mm. to come, but I need to be... Because I'm the custodian of mm. these things. Okay. Um, and I think for me, like, I mean, I'm Meru and I know... Like, that part of the country was assimilated insanely yeah. <laughs> um whereas like as far as my dad the things he doesn't know mm. because my grandparents went to school so yeah. like my grandparents generation a huge part of them mm -hmm. were easily detached from teachings because mm. they'd gone for a bit they know some of the things yeah and so do you even see this guy who's really holding on to stuff because he's like no if i give it away yeah he wouldn't learn mm -hmm. um and now even the intersect of where we're at, like some of us were trying to go back and learn mm -hmm. a bit more about where we're from and how things work. Um, I mean, I stay saying this like a huge part of my motivation. Like I've always wanted to learn, but I think just even seeing how indigenous people lived in um, so-called Australia, I was just like, wow. It was just a way of life for them. But in my head, I was like, I have the privilege of, you know, being my own country with my own people, but even I'm not... Like I'm trying, but I'm not trying enough, yeah. even to my own, to my own accord. For what I want to learn, I'm doing the bare minimum to learn what I want to. Mm. And these guys are here fighting for their land for, yeah, centuries, for centuries, and they're still doing what they can. Mm. So I think that just showed me, like, wow. Even when we think of colonization, I mean, it messed things up a big time. Yeah. But their high discoveries, like they're still being colonized in today, mm. in their own. Yeah, in their own land and even the small things that they're doing to preserve their culture. So you see even now pages like I'm um, in spaces like on your culture, what you're doing through fashion and what was your experience like starting and where you're at now um, in terms of like even from learning to, you know, making and writing these artifacts. I'm sure everywhere you go people are asking you 
and then actually what kind of questions you're being asked i can imagine some of them but i really like to hear some peculiar ones if i was a tra- someone who asked me if i was a traditional dancer Ah, yeah, I'd happen to be wearing like just like this green African print dress and like just one I don't even think I had many necklaces, just like one big circular necklace. That's it and had an afro. And I was standing, I think I was waiting for a matatu or something. Yeah, and then this lady looks at me. I mean, she was also waiting. She looks at me and then she's like, "Are you a traditional dancer?" And I was like, "Hmm. Wow." <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Or many people assume that maybe I'm from the Maasai community. That time I'm even wearing maybe beads from Turkana or Pokot. Mm. So there's there are always those assumptions because it's like now Kenyans, we know beadwork, but you know like Maasai. Mm. So I can even wear like Samburu beads or even sometimes like if I, I mean if you, if other Kenyans see like a, a Samburu person, they still call them Maasai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you see that there are all still those um, situations and confusions. Um, beginning till now, it's such a difference, a big, big difference. At least now I've known about places where they give funding for me to be able to travel to these places and like conduct like research properly. I've also learned like how to conduct research much more better than as opposed to before. Because before I used to just I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. I'm probably like you know it's probably someone who told me like oh my uncle knows so and so who is so and so friend from the village go and ask this person. So you know sometimes when I arrive those places the questions are not forthcoming I mean the answers are not forthcoming or it was hard to access those places because some of these places especially like interior villages are hard to access like by public transport yeah. and at the time I never used to have like my own private means so sometimes I would just give up or sometimes I just take a risk and hitchhike because someone has told me um, you can take a ride with this guy because he's my friend. Mm. So sometimes even I can ride with like cows or like animal feed. Oh, so yeah. it was very, it was adventurous. I found it adventurous. Were you ever? This is so interesting because um, I'm glad you're actually sharing this because I, I this a similar. There's a project I want to do that involves really going mm. to yeah. interior yeah, and just. having to talk to people. <laughs> and the one thing I just kept thinking is I really might just have to go with someone, in terms of like. I don't know, like, will I get there and then it's like, oh, we don't even speak the language or we're not understanding each other. Um, or, um, like, I remember Chao sharing her experience, she was saying that some places she'd go and guys wouldn't talk to her because she's a woman. And oh, yeah, it's really yeah. just a cultural thing. And she's yeah. just like, well, now I have to go some places with men. And then sometimes you don't know until you get there. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Well, I've yeah. come all this way yeah. for nothing. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, what... Let me ask now, mm-hmm. if you're going, what are the places, how, how are you planning like some of these trips, like were you just being like, okay, I'll go to Uncle X that Nani told me about and then from there I'll move on and go to person B in the same area or was it just, you're winging it, like I we get here, we see how we go. Yeah, I was winging it. It was always like word of mouth. Mm. There was even a time one of the artisans that I work with. Um, now when I was going to research the Maasai community, she just told me like, oh, I know this guy who can pick you up from this point. And then you can go, like, I know this guy, I trust this guy. She's also a woman, so she tell me like, no, I know this guy, they can give you transport and they can take you to the, this other woman's house. This woman is old, but she's really knowledgeable in these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it used to be those kinds of situations. So sometimes um, they are also, no, also sometimes I'd also research like other countries. So, yeah. But when I was going to other countries, that was Tanzania and Uganda, mm-hmm. at least those ones had looked for funding, so I had a plan. Okay. Yeah, because I had to have like a plan in advance. Mm-hmm. And then the interesting thing, like when I was in Tanzania, can you imagine they have like a cultural office that you go to and then they pinpoint you to the exact community you should go to. Really? Yeah. For no fee. I only paid like maybe the guides who took me like to the village mm. and yeah. Okay, Kenya should put a huge lip. In fact, yeah, my biggest I went to Arusha town. with this country is also, we, we don't have a ministry of culture. Like then we have all yeah. sports and they're like, yeah, okay, oh sports, my God, let's yeah. just give them more money to do art stuff and they're like, yeah. we can't just be arts. Let's call it arts and culture. And it's like, why are you doing? Yeah, like we have so different. 40, what tribes? 42 and they're still sub-tribes. Yeah, so like in Tanzania, because even in Tanzania there are like many tribes. Mm-hmm. So we were, that time I was in Arusha town. Mm-hmm. I just walked into one of their offices in town. And I mean like this lady consulted, she even did the phone calls. I didn't even call that person. This she, is yeah, so interesting. Because I told her like these are the communities that I'd like to see. And then she told me, okay, they live like, okay, maybe an hour away, so what we'll do, we'll call this guy who is the head of that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he took us, I mean, he picked us up, we just paid him like a small fee. So that's what they do, like, even for tourists. Oh, 
So yeah, do so they have like many offices in different towns? I think they don't have different towns. Is it like specific? You said the office is specific for like. Yeah, it's like a cultural. Yeah, because we just walked in, oh, wow. and then we told them like, I really want to go. We really want to go to this community. Mm. Um, how do we go about it? And then this lady was like, Yeah, this is this are the details. Even there's a website now. Oh wow! Yeah, we just opened like a website, Tanzania Culture mm. something. I did learn to benchmark. Yeah. So you can even just like phone call them. Just call them on phone or even WhatsApp now. Wow! Yeah, and then they can organize for you to like go and do research in these communities. So you can do research or you can do like a homestay. So they cook for you like a meal. Yeah, they give us like lunch cooked there. Um, we got to interview like a bunch of women who still do beadwork. Yeah, and then just different interesting stories. So is a lot of your work like centered around beadwork, but beadwork of different communities? Uh, let me say jewelry, because not, it's not jewelry. only beadwork, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because some of them are like brass pieces. Mm. Yeah, so it's just brass pieces, sometimes leather. It just depends on what, because you see now we use photography, so yeah. it depends like now what looks, what material can best work. Okay, yeah. so when you travel, do you travel with your partner? Sometimes, depending okay. on the budget. But initially I used to just go by myself, because also it's hard to do it with someone else, especially when you're winging it. Sure. And then you have to hitchhike, you know. Yeah. Someone has organized for you transport and you're riding with like the animals, so you see those. Those are things not everybody is willing to do. Wow. Yeah. And this is a passion project. In the start, it was a when passion it project. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I used to. I had. Uh, I mean, I was working elsewhere. It was just a passion project. So, like on weekends, especially on Fridays. Yeah. So, how did that work? Like with work? <laughs> oh, I did, I, it wasn't bad because I was actually working at a startup and I was one of the directors. I was okay. a creative director. Mm. So I had like a lot of um, flexibility. Flexible. Okay. Yeah. And it was an online company. Yeah, so my time was quite flexible. Like I was able to manage. Okay. Yeah, and I was able to just work from anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like you mentioned creative direction yes. and like on your page it's are you the one who runs the page? Yes, mostly me or my partner, but mostly me. Okay, because you can say it's very well arranged. Um <laughs> So like how did you eventually move um I didn't think you'd mentioned it a little bit before. You were running a blog and then yeah. you moved to Instagram. Like um on your page then it started it became more of you know, the hub yeah. for um Yeah, when I got there in f- I, I never even used to call it on your culture at first. I can't remember what I used to call it, like Maasai culture or like Kenyan culture. Yeah, like I didn't have like a proper name at mm-hmm. first. Or when it was on my private page. And then finally I think it was in twenty fifteen is when like the name came to me. And that's when I started like the hashtag and then the page itself. Okay. Yeah, because of the, the, with the hashtag, I used to ask people to like, how do you own your culture? Oh. Yeah, so I'd ask people like to submit photos. So some guys would send like, uh, I mean, photos of themselves with like a kiondo or beadwork, just any kind of beadwork. So at first, like there was no mpangilio sort of. Because mm-hmm. you know, like people would just be like, oh, this is beadwork, must be traditional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so many people would submit those kind of photos and I was like, okay, that's not exactly accurate. Mm. Even people who come from like communities or towns where they're likely to find these kinds of be- these traditional types of beadworks. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started going to research and then to put those photos of okay. like traditional pieces so that people have an idea this is traditional and this is like more modern design. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned a book before. Oh yes, yeah. You written a book. Tell us about this yes, book. Um, uh, the book I was approached when was it? 2018. Yeah, by this collective called the Research Collective for Decolonizing Fashion. Okay. So at first I didn't. I mean I just knew I was doing like decolonizing fashion. I mean I was like yeah, I mean, I'm doing the work and I look for funding for traveling. Yeah. And also like just grow it as a business as well to support the work. Yeah. So like selling beadwork. So we we also sell beadwork. And now less outfits. Um, yeah, so this, um, they were having a conference and then they invited me to present my work. Turns out it's a thing. I mean, I didn't know when your culture is that important to other people in the world. Really? Yeah, it was in Tokyo, yeah, that was in 2019. Okay. Yeah, so I gave my presentation and then they said... I'm surprised you didn't know it was that important, but... Like, I knew it was important to Kenyans, but in the world... Ah, uh, like other people. Yeah, like... I get what you mean, yeah. no, sorry. In mm-hmm. the world, I didn't... I didn't know it was that, of that kind of importance. Mm, like okay. for me to be invited, be invited to Tokyo. I mean, I was like, I've never, I don't even know where Japan is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I was invited there and I spoke about my work. So everybody who spoke that day is decolonizing fashion one or the other in different mm. parts of. Uh, the other African was a Ghanaian. 
but they do like yeah everybody was doing like just a, a certain version of like the colonizing fashion but the collective's founder she's a japanese professor of fashion so she's also like decolonizing like japanese fashion mm. you know the people appropriate things like kimonos yeah. and the, the kawaii type of fashion yeah so they're like different people who different professors who that's the work that they do how was but, that experience actually uh, at the airport i was frozen I thought they were going to, and then, yeah, they stopped me at the airport. So at first I was like, okay, maybe they just want to check. You know, they're just having positive thoughts. Maybe yeah. it's 1 a.m. I've been on transit like almost two days. And then I'm told to go to a certain room. And in that room, all of us are darker skinned. Though not Africans, but like all of us are like way darker than everybody else. Because the time I was going to Tokyo was around winter. And I don't think many people travel. I didn't see any other African on the flight right. at that time. Yeah, so they start asking me like my paper who what am I doing in Tokyo? You know, like all these harsh questions. I'm yeah. like, okay. But you know, I had my paperwork with me, so I just showed them the Japanese letter because it was a Japanese woman and her white translator. Yeah, I was just going to ask how did that <laughs> conversation happen? Yeah, it was it was quite yeah. But I was like, if they didn't let me in, I was so ready to cry racism because I was tired. I was really exhausted I mean, it from that. Really it's profiling. Yeah. It is, yeah. If all of you were all of us were on the darker skin tone. Wow. There was no one like <laughs> I was the darkest but everybody else was mm. shade dark shades darker. And yeah. how like how many days was the conference or um conference? Yeah, yearly conference? They just did it like one yeah, yeah. They do it in different countries. Ah yeah. Gotcha. yeah okay. in different countries. Yeah. So I guess for um you as someone who like Chipkimoy who ran on your culture, yeah. what was it like, like for you after that? Because now you're saying like even until that point you're like, oh, other people care about yeah, you know the work that I'm doing yeah. and also Kenyan culture I didn't realize. Yeah. So like after the conference and during the conference, like did, how did it change how you do on your culture um, or how did it influence, you know, moving forward? So the first time I knew a, a bit of the seriousness for, of it was, I'd also been invited, in 2016 I was invited to South Africa Fashion Week. But, you know, as I was an attendee, so it's not like that big of a deal. I was an attendee and also I was there to collect like um, traditional South African pieces. Mm, okay. yeah, because a lot of the customers of like on your culture pieces are also South Africans. So okay. I was like, oh, let me just go to this country. I mean, it was a good opportunity, a good business opportunity. Mm. So. On the business side and the fashion side, I saw the seriousness of Onyo culture at that point. So mm. I started being more intentional. But when the Tokyo one came, I was like, whoa, this is very serious. Mm. Because now outside the continent, I was like, okay, this is extremely serious. Because these professors, because everybody there was either a professor or like some Hollywood consultant. Mm. And I'm just there, I only have like an undergraduate, it's not like exactly past. And, you know, just, I mean, like people are interested in my institution like this. I was like, okay, there must be. I mean, it just made me take the work a bit much more seriously. Okay. Extremely, extremely seriously, yeah. And in Kenya, like at the same time, mm -hmm. was there like a lot of interaction with people and yeah. knowledge of your space and the work yes. that you're doing? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, those, yeah, we were constantly being invited to like different festivals to set up like a pop-up space. Mm -hmm. And then when we would set up this space, we were always having like, almost like mini education, like workshops, because people would come and like, oh, these accessories are nice. How did you make them? And we tell them, oh, this is, I mean, inspired by like our ancestors. So we tell them like, this is from this community, this community. So always doing like this small, small type of workshops mm. in different um, pop-up spaces. Um, and we were consistently being invited to these spaces. We also collaborated with like Mudoni Donga and our stylist Lucy, mm. um, and a bunch of also other people through now this stylist um, Lucy, Lucy Roby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else happened here in Kenya? Oh, and then after Tokyo, I was also invited to give a talk at the National Museums in conjunction with Nairobi Design Week and Free Mind Sessions. Mm. Yeah, so I got to talk about Union culture. Wow. Yeah. I feel like in the creative scene, like there's a lot of um, like fashion, music, photography, mm -hmm. like all these things, all creative works in general, yeah. even art. Mm -hmm. um, there's just like a common ground. Yes. And it just works better when like people collaborate. So just mm -hmm. what you just described, like mm -hmm. Udoni is an artist, her stylist, yeah. her stylist styles other mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's so every 
the even the knowledge of you know culture is yes. now spread throughout because yeah. you're being taught something to even music and the different sounds exactly. they're using the different elements mm-hmm. the inspirations mm-hmm. and there's now you know how you look and how you present yeah. yourself and mm-hmm. what what is that all about mm-hmm. so i think i find it very i think it's the best thing that could happen is to find a sweet spot on yeah. how to collaborate um to kind of like push mm. more um and i think it's easier when people collaborate actually yeah even for me i really believe in collaborating because like with on your culture work it's very easy for me to just be stuck like on the academic side mm-hmm. like just to be prevent to presenting to professors and traveling and doing the speaking engagements to like professors especially white professors or like foreign professors mm-hmm. and students but i didn't want just that to just be the one area because for me I was like I want to involve every single person because I want even the opinion of someone from Turkana yeah. some, like I want their real honest opinion and also wanted like young Kenyans to also participate in it because like if they don't the ones who are in your current the generation forward yeah. yeah oh and then I forgot to mention that one of the biggest collaborations we did was Heritage Festival in 2018 Mm-hmm. Yeah so we were the co-hosts for the whole of 2018 so we had like Where was f- it? It was at Congress course. Oh okay. Yeah so we had a festival in partnership with Natural Notes it's a natural hair community mm-hmm. group. Yeah so the theme was on your culture so it was very interesting to see what people thought. People thought. Yeah like live live. Yeah, yeah and I think even now where we are it's like how and like how we think of culture mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is just um interesting yeah. for lack of a better word where it's just there's like a promulgation of so many things because when i think of you know especially like russia's this is where like now these are the bits and pieces the ceremonies that at least allow for people to be a bit more um you know presenting whatever they think of culture so kitengas are very very popular mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to you know such ceremonies because i was talking to someone and i was saying You know why is it that we wear suits to work? It's a very western idea and I mean this is obviously because of colonialism and a yeah. lot of this formal corporate corporate mm. is very western and yeah. so we adapted but we borrowed everything without adapting it to our environment. Yeah. So someone in course is still wearing a suit to work mm-hmm. and it's hot. Yeah. They should be wearing a kanzu. Mm. Like it shouldn't be like no these are your clothes for the weekend yeah. or um it's even like how you're dressing mm. lasso. This should be something you yeah. could wear to work, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. not like a big deal. So I said like this is Ghanaian. I think in Ghana now, all of Ghana they've not started making school uniforms. Yeah, the school uniforms. Yeah. And now in, in like cloth. um in Kente and I think um some other clubs. Yeah, because they have like different designs for each like kingdom or something. Yes, yeah. each like area. And I was like, this is so cool. Mm. Like how this should be. how we mm-hmm. think about things like don't just borrow everything borrow what yeah. makes sense and then mm-hmm. adapt it to you know whatever mm-hmm. you are yeah. so like even wearing like i remember wearing now just you know the Masai market stuff mm-hmm. basically anyway and you know, there's all this fascination like oh my god this is so pretty and i'm like hey and it just feel nice sometimes like when you get some like Kenya because <laughs> yeah. i know they can't get it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i'm just like you have to go and look for it yeah. but you see I realized like in that respect I was being a cultural ambassador whether I was choosing to or not it's this will have no knowledge of whatever it is you're wearing whether it is you're representing but they see this they think of something so um the same way when people think of Kenya they think of Maasai as why mm. because of you know jumping Maasai like, is what everyone advertises and also like our with. magical Kenya just always puts them there they are there <laughs> And when they come they'll see this big work so mm. it's also, it also becomes an identity thing mm. which we were speaking a bit about earlier yeah. where it's easier to spot like I could easily spot Kenyans just because of what they're wearing mm. the time I had a bad hair day and I met one of my really good friends like that because I was I dropped my hair in a lasso and she's like this one is definitely yeah. South Africa. <laughs> Africa so you know there's just small things that yeah. um may look small but then when you're outside of your environment mm-hmm. they serve as either like a huge part in your identity or even how you present yourself yeah. in certain places and you know also you see the assumption for a lot of people is they, they just don't know so anything that looks african is just oh it's from whatever yeah, it's from and it's like where though mm-hmm. <laughs> africa is big yeah. but even lasso is like mm-hmm. um remember there's a time like kikoi 
used to be very popular like around 2013 everyone like with the whole kikoi culture Kikoi. event <laughs> like you know i saw a meme the other day at the expert startup park <laughs> and those kikoi pants and i was like yep yep this yeah, this true. was really wait as out yeah. but i don't like i don't even know the history of kikoi fabric at all like i, I know it's a bit from the the assumption for me used to be like it sounds it seemed very coastal but i realized i actually don't know it's not an like the oromos i think like yeah. the making of that fabric because they do make like certain fabric or maybe i'm confusing actually you might be right because i noticed also because Orom- oromos a lot of them did come from like ethiopia around yeah. that area because when i started meeting no one was in australia like, i think i also realized how huge now the dodo fashion also within mm. I think culture is like a lot of these people some of them have never been back home but they do understand like these are dresses for this these are these patterns are for this mm-hmm. um and you know I can see at this time like oh, that's an you know these are guys from Ethiopia just because yeah. of how they are dressed mm-hmm. but then on top of that there's now oh these are guys who are Tigrinya these are guys who are Roma so like there's also the same way I'll see someone who's just you know I'll see some beadwork and I'm like okay these beads are maybe from XYZ or I know like for me resist to wear grass skirts. Have I ever seen one? Mm. No. Grass skirts um, are like, they're very I mean like there's so many accessories. There's even like a, this whole necklace, like this metallic pendant. Like there's a whole there's a whole thing, yeah. Thing. And I'm really happy that now we do have um again platforms mm-hmm. like yours that mm-hmm. you know for there's a generation of people that is predominantly using Instagram as their source of information. Yeah. I mean, should extend beyond that, but yes, yeah, yeah. we do intend here. Yeah, we intending to extend. I mean, after the blackout, you're like, you know, uh, we have been planning to extend. We did have a website before. Mine was not getting as much traffic as Instagram. I think Instagram is a good structure. Yeah, it's it's really just good. like yeah. if you do want to learn as an individual, it's less even about you and your space. Yeah. It's just more you need to. There's more you should yeah. do beyond, yeah. and I think it's quick. Again. Yeah, it's quick and then condensed. So properly. I can easily be like, oh, mm. and then if it piques my interest, then I'll follow yeah. through and mm-hmm. you know find out more. Um, so I think what I also wanted to find out, like, where you're at now mm-hmm. from where you started, yes. like, what's what sort of direction are you now heading towards? I know now there's a book. Yes. Actually, didn't tell us where we can get the book. Uh, the book Amazon online Bloomsbury website. Okay, I'll get yeah. a link from you and yeah. I'll put it also, mm-hmm. so guys can go and have a look. Yeah. What next? Um, yeah, getting our own platform. I mean, okay. we are working on our own platform, so both offline and also like an online space. Mm. So those are things to be on the lookout for. Okay. Yeah, because we wanted like just one space so that if somebody is visiting, you know, Nairobi or Kenya, they can come here and actually see for themselves. So mm. that's that's what's in the works. Okay, yeah. I'm really, I'm going to be there. Definitely. Yes, definitely. I will send you an invite on the launch day. Thanks. Yeah. And also, like, they have another, I'll put another page, which is, is it on your lesson? Lesson by On Your Culture. Wow, it's a remix. It's okay, still, it's our new baby, so. Yeah, been, and the outfits are really cool. Yeah, Even to see, just go to On Your Culture and you'll see the outfits there and you'll be like, okay. Because I swear to God, I'd just be like, how do you come up with these designs? I guess you're a really good designer then. Yeah, for fashion, uh, for the clothes, yes, I follow fashion trends and I don't know, my mind always just works in fashion. But I think it, it just works well. You know, also, Lasso is not an easy print to work with because it's. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. Many designers don't like on. working with it, actually. Yes. Because so like, oh. the essence of less, so you see like these dots, the mm. kanga, you know it was initially called kanga after the bird. Mm. Yeah, and it has a beautiful story behind it because you know when Swahili women were freed, as when they were freed from slavery, mm-hmm. they would actually start printing their own. That's how they started, the lesser started, the kanga. Really? Yeah, they started to, I mean, it was copied sort of from like some Portuguese design or an Arabic design, but as a way of their freedom, they started now creating like now their own designs. That's how it started. That is so interesting. Because I noticed, like, also, um, my auntie lived in Tanzania, so there's a time we got there twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I noticed, like, even in the market, how they sell kangas. Like, for them, it's more about the message yeah, as opposed to just the print. Yeah. So, obviously, first, it's just like, oh, that looks nice. Can I see that mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. And then, like, Utaki Kusoma, me in my head, I'm just like, no, it just looks mm-hmm. like, nice. Like, for <laughs> me, actually, I always read, like, the one that I'm... That I'm wearing, peke peke za jirani, as in itoi, dani, you know, like minding your own business. Mm. Yeah, so I like to, I always like to say, like, look at what 
the, the reading is. And I think that's important to also, it's just also a way of, um, I think what Onyo culture is doing in general is, it's multiple cultures being mm-hmm. celebrated and promoted yes. yeah. at the same time. Exactly. And you get to learn a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking I know you probably just know so much. Like I need to be like, oh, tell me more about XYZ and XYZ and XYZ. Yeah. Like do you, from your also running the page, like have you interacted with people who bring to you stuff that like, oh hey, here's something interesting about that I think would you'd be interested in or something yeah. like that. In fact, so many people always tag either on like other social media pages or like anthropologist pages or like African museum pages. There's always like someone tagging or sending like information. Okay. So yeah, so like my information in fact is just not just museums alone, it's even from people. Or someone would tell me like a story, oh you know my grandmother would tell me this or someone there's been someone who sent a video of their grandmother making a kiondo. Yeah, it was it was really cool. There's also another lady during um, now our heritage festival. She dressed up. She said like she made her outfit uh, with the help of her grandmother. That's cool. Yeah, That's so it was very interesting. Really fun story. So I'm like, oh, sounds nice. Things that I should probably look into. Like I'm really interested in, um, you know, the one day where we'll have an intersect. I mean, it's now in the works. Yes, so in not the works. Yes. Of happen overnight mm-hmm. where we have a space like this cultural center you're talking about in Tanzania because it's actually yeah. like my biggest Maybe goal it's is done by their government you know different cultures that there should be a cultural center yeah. for every community yeah so what happens like what seem I mean for what we understood what I understood when I was in Tanzania so like for example like if I was going to Meru mm-hmm. I would maybe go to Meru town and then I go to their office and tell them oh I want to meet um, the Meru I mean not to do XYZ research mm-hmm. in a Meru community so the office would give me like this is the head of that area so he can take you to like the different groups who work there so now this guide would come and pick us up from like a central point so he picked us up from town I mean the central point in town near the offices yeah yeah and then he just uh, drove us to those areas and educated like he's a guide plus also driver and like mm, you know historian yeah so he was telling us like a lot of things we learned a lot of things and if you wanted to sleep in a homestead you can also do that wow I actually did notice there's this um, series on YouTube by on BBC by Zena Bedawi about mm-hmm. history of Africa. Yes. From that is actually I did notice like Tanzania is really good with mm. the archiving because even when mm. they go to Tanzania, like you could just tell even from the people who work there, and the initiatives mm. are talking about that yeah. they're really good at mm. withholding um, their history. Yeah. And you know, it's not very hard for you to figure out where to go. So yes, I think we should borrow country. a huge list yeah, or a whole team. It would be so good. <laughs> just like, Especially for like all communities, not just the major ones. Because of course, yes. if I had to go to Samburu, well, no, I still have to do research on my own. Mm. But still, I'd be pointed out to like a person. It's easy to get someone. Yeah. And also, I think like there's been, when it comes to communities with numbers, we just know a bit more about them. Because yeah. when I think of, again, I think Russia's is when people are like, oh man, how do we do this? Yeah. Like, Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that. I feel like every community, we still maintain like all these burial, wedding rights, childbirth rights in some communities. Yeah. But when it comes to the fashion, you're like, okay, where is the stuff? Even language. Especially I mean, like, yeah, language. Like language is still, for some communities, are still there. Mm. But when it comes to the fashion, you're like... Because for me, like my community, we still do like our traditional ceremonies for like uh, some for death, but not always. But wedding, of course, like all the wedding mm-hmm. traditional ceremonies are always done. But when you attend, we just wear whatever, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, not it's not specific to your culture. Yeah, it's or not anything. specific anymore. It's yeah. now what looks nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just what looks nice. So maybe even just like a whole Western thing. Mm. Yeah, so. And you know, I find interesting when I okay, it was not interesting, mm. but Africans will dress up anywhere in the world that they're at, mm. and like if there is an event. So I noticed, like when my mom came to visit me, I remember she was just like, people here just don't know how. Like she kept complaining, mm. like you're just wearing anything. It's like you just woke up, you're like, okay, the first things you see, you put it together, and you just wear. I think even for me, like I was, I was very lax with how I dress, like mm. t-shirt, jeans, I'm fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wearing t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. But she was just saying, incom- and I did know, I was even saying, in comparison to here, mm. when her pool just to go to uni. Yeah. God, us guys, you know, are good put, sweats yeah. and t-shirt, you really, I remember going to uni the, the whole of the first week and I'm like, feeling overdressed, and I'm just wondering, can you imagine how I feel? 
<laughs> no, you really get home like well. And I was just like, what is going on here? And I just noticed like the culture there is just people are just very like you could wear whatever and no one. It's not a big deal because yeah. cu- it's just the culture that's it's there. Culture. As opposed to here, if I was to wear, you know, sometimes I have some of my clothes. Mm. Um, and then when my mom wants to make fun of me, she's like, whenever well, I took them out to Australia, that's how we have telling you. <laughs> <laughs> just please get yeah. a double check if you're if you're okay. Um, and when we had like Black Panther, <laughs> oh. everyone that was the day. Like I remember walking then. There's this mm. lady who stopped us and was like, "What is going on?" And I said to her, lady, Black Panther, she didn't know what Black Panther was, and yeah. I was like, okay, this combo is over. Mm. But you see, it was not like the movie is what they did care for. It was just more like, everybody is like super dressed up, like yeah. you a wedding or something, or like an award ceremony, mm. and mm-hmm. they can tell like... 99% yeah. of people rocking up are like black people mm. and it's like what is that revolution <laughs> you know like did you decide yeah. like what's going on today mm. but I think black people everywhere will just they don't really show up when they need to show up I think well, yeah when we need to show up because sometimes also Kenyans can let you down yeah, I agree yeah. especially men oh my god yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it's improving these days especially with like the younger people the more I see let me say, like, with you know, thrift social. Yes. Yeah, we like that type of crowd. Those mm. are the type of people I'd invite to all my events because they will show up in <laughs> they fashion. Let you down. Yeah, they will not let me down. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I think like they are doing very important work for the culture because now they are giving a lot of people. I mean, they're giving young people like the freedom, like you think and come as fashionable as possible. Mm. So everyone is taking it, you know, from their context and applying it. It's really interesting to see how it works. I think also something very important and cool that you guys are doing is these are traditional fabrics but then you they're up to date designs yeah up to date mm-hmm. up to date sounds so strange like the modern oh, yeah, I mean they're like those current for, styles and designs yeah, yeah you can still wear this fabric and mm-hmm. you know I, I used to admire like Wangare Madai and I still admire yeah. Mama Kadura because that lady wears nothing but mm. dangers like I've never seen her in like any other clothes, mm. and I'd like, and I keep saying to my sister like, "Wow, well, I really want to be this, you know, like this one here, where my entire closet is like this African fabric, yeah. not because at I'm here, just because it looks good and yes. I can look good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can just, you know, be on the trends, yeah. but just with different just kind like, of fabric. Yeah, different. And it's also very colorful and. Mm-hmm vibrant and mm-hmm. there's a lot going like yeah. it's, you're in history basically yeah and then like with the lessons you know there's always a message yes so that's yeah, I find and then you accessorize it just you look good every day yeah like, exactly yeah effortlessly yeah. yeah effortlessly in fact that was my intention yeah, yeah so do you just like this every day yes most days you hear me actually every day Wow. Yeah. Okay. Even if I'm wearing jeans, I have accessories. Okay. Yeah. I'm also big on accessories. I did lose a lot of them in Australia. And all I could think of is I hope whoever inherits the stuff will actually <laughs> make good justice. You know, yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool. They better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've started collecting. In fact, through own your culture, I'm learning yeah, more about, good. you know, the different kinds of designs mm-hmm. yeah. and also because I'd made a. Uh, a decision to just wanting to buy from communities as opposed to like mm. Maasai market. That's just me personally yeah, being like, mm-hmm. no, I'd want to know, yeah, you know, the process, and yeah. I'd like to know more about what I'm buying and yeah. what it's for mm-hmm. from the people because they understand that. Mm-hmm. And even when I meet Maasai, like actual Maasai, mm. um, I'm more intrigued to buy from them than yeah. even leather, even if it's just simple like leather sandals. I'd yeah. like, no, I'd rather. Just because it's also a learning opportunity for me. Yeah, true. Um, and, you know, it just kind of goes back to the actual community. Yeah. Um, beyond that, so then, obviously, with this process of mine, it's just mm. slower. Because then it's, no, it's, like, it's still fine. It's still fine um, because you get to learn about the culture. Yeah. So, it's I mean, important. with a space now, like, at least you do get to learn. And yeah. when you buy something, you're just more aware, like, oh, this mm. is, you know, you can yeah. confidently be like, no, these are some Buru weeds. Mm. Is it from Pokot? Or, yeah. like, you know, as mm. opposed to, like, yeah, somewhere in. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. just give me masses of the beads and they're not even theirs. But, like, we don't even yeah. have shells. 
but okay i guess yeah. <laughs> now we are perpetrators of shells yeah so that's why like when when i was starting on your culture I was very intentional about that mm-hmm. yeah so even i don't like to call myself so much a designer because i collaborate i'm always collaborating mm. i'm always collaborating with these artisans so okay. it's not always just me it's maybe when we do like brass work or metal work it was still a collaboration i don't do it myself alone I've actually bought beads from you. I need to buy them mm. again. Yeah, like yeah. the hair cuff one. Yeah, the hair cuff. Yeah. yeah, I lost. It's one of no. It's <laughs> let me tell you. These hair cuffs are good, but it's one of those things. Someone is like, oh my god, this is nice. Can I have yeah. one? And then you have one left, and it's yeah. like, okay, guys, just go and buy. Because you can't wear one. Yeah, you can't. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, wear one hair cuff. I look yeah. funny, but I really, really like. In fact, I remember when I went, I was going for. A, and everyone was like, where did you get this? And all I could think of is, when you guys have never seen this, I don't know, a huge part of me was like, you've not seen this before? Like, anyway, but now they'll know about it a bit more. So when you, when you, you said you make jewelry, where do you sell it actually? Because I only found out about, I wasn't sure if you sold even the cuffs. Until I think I don't know. I just used to seeing you wear them, so I was like, yeah. honestly, if I ask her, she tell oh, yeah. me how to get them. But I know you sell them now. Yeah, on the page we wanted it to be more about the work than the selling. Mm. Yeah, so I used to put a link. I mean, we have like a WhatsApp uh, shop link. Okay. Yeah, that's on the page. Okay, maybe now it's the book. But I'll create like a link tree for for everyone. And then we used to be on this website called Zuba, but it went down. So that's how we used to sell for our international co- market. Oh. Yeah. But we are coming. I mean, and then now we used to do pop-ups. We used to do a lot of pop-ups. Okay. Yeah. Pop-ups yeah. are good. Yeah. You get to interact. Like you yeah, say, you give interact. people like yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was always interesting. Mm-hmm. Like just doing like a teaching session. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing about your culture. Like I was very curious to. Like before I figured out it was you who was behind it, mm. I was always very curious to know who is behind the page. Yeah. <laughs> but then I've learned so much about not just the space, even mm. like I said to you, things like how you're doing research and yeah. you know how you are going about these mm-hmm. things. And I'll definitely be off air looking for you yeah. to talk about more of this work that yeah. you know you've been doing. But um, yeah, you can close first. Tell people where to find you, which platforms. I'll still put the links on the description so you yeah. can easily find um, on your culture. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at On Your Cultures. That is O W N Y O U R C U L T U R E. One word. Great. Yeah. Are you on Twitter? No, we're not on Twitter. Okay, me neither. Me neither know how to operate. Because see, our work is visual, so it works well on a visual platform. On a visual platform. Yeah. Smart. I like how you're very intentional with your things. Yeah, even just how you've explained that it's like, mm, yeah, this is why we're not there. It wasn't yeah. things like it's a bit hard to. I mean, like, unless no, it's just on your cut. It was not working for like Twitter at the time. Mm-hmm. I think now it's a bit better. I mean, Twitter has changed. You can, you're able to put like images. Oh, okay. Oh, and also on TikTok, but. Uh, yeah content for TikTok. Cheeky? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We are trying to master the platform. Okay. Because again, we're like very international. Really, really well yeah, TikTok, so we actually. have to be very, I mean, you have to do like a good job. Hmm. Keen. Like not... well-produced, rather. Mm. Well-produced. Yeah. Keen to see that. Yeah. Not that I'm on TikTok like that, but I, I like seeing, <laughs> I, I log in at like maybe once in two months or something, mm. but I'll always, someone will send me a link. I actually yeah. have the app for the sole reason that people send me yeah. links and I need to watch stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do admire like people who create content for TikTok. Mm. Yeah, it is. Just content creators in general, to be yeah, honest. It's, it's a lot of work. Like I remember even, like for Wazi, I'm not the person who, for a long time I didn't turn the page, I got someone mm. to do it because mm-hmm. I was just like, I can tell you what to do, yeah. <laughs> but it's just not in it for me mm. to do it. Like now I've learned a bit more and yeah. at the moment I'm handling it, but it was, there was a point I was just like, yeah. I don't get someone media. who is just really good at it and yeah. it's just easier for them and mm-hmm. you know, they can do it. So yeah, yeah that's mm. where we're at. Okay. I guess we can close yeah. there. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a lovely day. Day. You too. Rest of the evening. And yeah, I'll see you on the streets. Yes. Sounds so strange. (laughs) Okay, bye.